This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you want to listen to this episode or any of our episodes ad-free, you can do that now. Head on over to Patreon. Click on the ad-free level. You get all of our bonus shows that you've been hearing so much about. Plus, every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you can listen to this episode or any of our other episodes at the same time, ad-free, over on Patreon. everyone this is david welcome back behind the velvet rope let's just get right into it today because we are joined by the one the only miss fortune theme star how's it going how are you welcome what's going on oh thank you uh you know just living life that 2022 so far real real interesting are you like a big new year's person do you get into new year's eve I used to, back in the day, it used to seem like, oh, this magical night, you know, but then once my, my wife and I met and we, we had a couple exciting New Year's Eves and then now we're like those ladies that, you know, five o'clock dinner and then on the couch. There's nothing <laughs> I, I the see. ball drop. I see nothing positive about going out for New Year's, so I am so right there with you. Well, I've the older I get, the less I like huge crowds too, Um, and that is that's a pre-COVID thing too. Not even COVID time uh, is that been an issue, but yeah, I'm just not into the big like where you're like shoulder to shoulder with people. You're like, let me just stay home. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things I've been doing home besides doing this podcast is I just watched Sex Appeal, this great new, such a good, such a good movie. Oh, thank you. How did you get involved in that? Um, they had, uh, my, my agents had seen the script, um, really loved it, thought it was like really unique. And so, uh, she had told me like, you know, you should read this, uh, script and see what you think. And I thought it was so uh, funny and clever and I really loved it and then um, I just had uh, zoom meetings with the director and um, we hit it off and she was like we had talked about a couple different uh, characters and what we thought you know made sense and then landed on 
on this one and so yeah i i i was shocked that they wanted me to play a mom <laughs> one uh, of three moms this baby face right here but uh our director uh talia uh was just had so many cool fun ideas and i think also being a, a lesbian mom takes you away from the traditional mom anyway um, and so that I, I liked that idea of just stepping into a whole different type of role. And you got to work with Margaret Cho. Yes, I love Margaret. We have worked quite a bit together over the years. And so this was cool to, to team back up again and um, be, we were exes in this uh, film. <laughs> I love very, it. But very friendly uh, exes who, who were trying to co-parent. Exes who live next door to each other. <laughs> yes. I just had Margaret on this show very recently, and she said there was a pilot that the two of you shot with Tina Fey, mm -hmm. where it was like an all-girls school. I forgot the part you were going to play. And I'm like, somebody needs to find this pilot on whatever shelf it's on and dust it uh, off, like, immediately. That 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 show, the getting the no on that show was such a heartbreaker, because I do, and I think Margaret probably felt the same way, I do believe it would have been a hit. Um, we were... Uh, the we were the result of the regime changing uh the president of the network got fired and when the new when new people come in they usually kind of wipe the slate clean and we had not gotten an official pickup we were we had been told that we were unofficially picked up and that we, they would be giving us more information uh and then he then the president got fired and that was that and it was such a heartbreak because it was so funny yeah, it was about this all girls women's this women's college. I played an RA, um, and I got to be like uh, the wrangling all the the other students. And Margaret was the dean. It was pretty great. It's like you, Margaret Cho, and Tina Fey, like producing. Yeah. Like, do we need to know anything else? I mean, I mean, and that's the thing about uh, Tina and her writing partner Robert Carlock. They are like joke machines. It was just like one joke after another, and. When anyone says no to a show that they're at the helm of, you're like, really? That's a wild decision. Yeah, that's a wild. Do you ever get used to that, you know, like being in Hollywood and just like, do you get used to like the nose or like really wanting something and getting close to it? And then here, here we are. I mean, there's a lot of yeses you get, obviously, right. but. I get a lot of no's too. I mean, Hollywood is, I'll never not be surprised by things in this business. Uh, because it is a business where a lot of things don't make sense. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of decisions that are made based on, you know, financial reasons or um, fear of failing or whoever's in charge. I mean, there's so many things that lead to no's and you go, really? How How is like all this stuff in the air? It's trash. And you're saying no to this. And so I've just learned to like take the no's a little less personal as I've gotten older, as I've gotten more experience in the business. It doesn't make it hurt any less. You still feel that sting whenever you don't get something you really wanted. Uh, but you are conditioned to have a thicker skin because you just have experienced so many no's. Right. Uh, but it makes you appreciative of the yeses, that's for sure. Right. What about like when you first got to LA, like when you started your career, you were an entertainment journalist. Mm -hmm. 
doing in a way what I do now? Like, was that, like, was that your goal? Like when you were growing up in North Carolina, did you want to be an entertainment journalist or was that just like a stop to comedy? It was a pay my bills kind of job. I didn't really know growing up what I wanted to do. I didn't have like a specific vision. Um, I moved to LA for a different job and then just this journalism job fell in my lap truly. And I loved it because it was like being entertainment, like on camera adjacent. I got to like like interview all the people that were doing the thing that I thought was so cool. Like the comedians and the actors and the writers. Um, so I was like taking in all this information about the business via that job. And so it felt like I was still in the world. Um, but I didn't really discover comedy yet. I was taking the, I took the journalism job as just like a cool experience and a a way to pay my bills. And then I started taking improv classes, uh, truly as just a means to make friends and it quickly became a passion. So from then on, I was like, how do I become a full-time comedian? How do I pay my bills doing this job? I do doing this thing. I really love but I had to, <laughs> I had to pay my bills and comedy does not afford that for a very long time. So the journalism job really saved me. It allowed me to work during the day, take care of my, um, you know, the, the things that we all have to take care of while pursuing what I really loved at night. When you were doing that job, like, did you interview someone where you were just, you know, totally nervous? Like, did you screw up? Like when you're interviewing someone big <laughs> ever, like any war always- stories? I was always nervous because I covered, uh, I did two, there were two facets of the job. One was the in-person like events. So the movie premieres and the award shows and you're on a red carpet. There's a lot of pressure because the, the celebrities go through so quick. Uh, you got to get out all these questions and you're trying not to ask them the same 50 questions they've been asked. Um, so that always felt like a lot of pressure, but then I had, uh, The other part of the job was I would talk to people on the phone for like 20 to 30 minutes and just kind of find out more about them as a person that I enjoyed because it allowed you to like, just kind of get to know whoever the person was. So I had, uh, one of those with like Betty white, that was pretty incredible to talk to her for 30 minutes on the phone was just like, I can't believe this. I met Julie Andrews in person twice. I interviewed her at events. I always liked those like really legendary actors, those veterans. I watched Dick Van Dyke watch himself and Mary Poppins, wow. uh, which was a trip. So those things are the part of my that job I will always remember. What was Betty White like? Oh my God, as lovely as you would ever hope, you know, she's so friendly, never acted. Uh, she was never, you know, some people we would talk to, you could tell they felt like it was a job. Like, I'm talking to you because so-and-so made me. Yeah. Whatever movie. Oh, I'm trust me, for. I know. Yeah, right? She just, she seemed to genuinely like to talk to people, and she was very kind to me. And at the end of the conversation, she said, now stay my friend. And he just felt, and I'm, you know, that could have been her signature phrase, but you really felt like you were her friend and that's such a gift that she had to make people feel like that. Those are the best interviews. Like you really, I think a lot of times people mean it, you know, like it is the business and that it doesn't happen. But to me, I agree. I think it's like, it could be really genuine, like in the moment. And that's, I'm like, okay, 
Yeah, that's... you're just having like a human conversation. I had oh, that. Really? I had that with Rachel McAdams. I interviewed her for the wedding planner. Is that the wedding crasher? The wedding crashers. Yeah. Uh, I had like a just a really human interview with her, and you know that stuff is meaningful. You never forget it. You never forget it. Mm -hmm. So when you started doing comedy and you said, wow, like right away, you're like, this is it. Like, this is what I was meant to do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I did this improv class and just, I did, I had done some plays in college, but I wasn't very good. Uh, I had terrible stage fright. So I had in my head, like this love of like wanting to perform, but in practice, I was a deer in headlights. And with improv, I was like, I'm just, I'm just going to try it. Maybe it can help me get rid of this fear. And it did. It just made me get like what, whatever was holding me back. It just washed that all away. And it saved me. I mean, I could not do what I do if I had stage fright now. No, you cannot. So I'm so grateful because it, you know, took out the anxiety of the job. Well, you got into the groundlings. I mean, that's not so easy. Yeah, I did the Sunday company with them for a year and a half. So for I, I went through the school and all the those levels for like five years and then did that Sunday company for a year and a half. So every Sunday we got to put on a new sketch show. And it was it was like amazing training. Nothing I've done in this business has trained me as well as that did. Do you, were you in the groundlings, like in the Sunday rounds with anyone? Like, you know, cause everyone's gone through like, who were your colleagues um, at the time? Taryn Killam was right at, was, uh, we did Sunday company together. He went on to do SNL, uh, and the scene Pedrod was on there with him. Jillian Bell's one of my best friends. She, uh, and I were in there together. She's been in everything, workaholics and idiot sitter and tons of movies. Um, but yeah, then you had the veterans that always are very involved that come back that give you advice or watch your shows. Melissa McCarthy would come watch shows and was very supportive. Kristen Wiig came to our shows and uh, yeah, you, Will Forte came and went out with us for drinks afterwards. It was like a really cool place that, you know, was where people would come back and and, you know, just be very supportive of the people in the program. I love it. Well, you went on to do Last Comic Standing and Chelsea Lately. What, like, what moment for you was, like, your first big break? You know, like, was it getting into the Groundlings? Was it Chelsea Lately? Like, what did you consider, like, you know, like you said, like, there's all those lean years, like, oh, wait, mm -hmm. this is this is the thing. Yeah, I've had, I've had several of those moments where you just like pinch yourself like oh this is that thing that you've been waiting for the first i mean the first small one smaller one but that felt huge at the time and it was was last comic standing that was my first television appearance it was the first time people recognized me in you know out and about you know i saw you on that show and uh that was like a real pinch me moment because i had been behind the scenes for many years in LA doing tons of shows and nobody knew who I was. Um, so that was really cool, but I was still running into not being able to get a job, not being able to get representation, um, you know, being broke. So it felt like a cool moment, but 
it wasn't moving the needle per se. Right. Uh, so the Chelsea show was certainly that huge, huge break for me. It was what, uh, I mean, I cried when I got the job because I'd been given so many no's and so many people didn't know what to do with me. And I was different. And at the time that was not a positive thing. And she was the first person that, that viewed me being different as a feather in my cap. Um, and they, you know, told me I got the job and then we're going to pay me a salary. And I, I mean, it changed my life. I literally didn't know how I was going to pay my rent the next month. Wow. It came at a time where I was like at a true crossroads. And so I'm always grateful for that show. Did you ever think of like giving up? You know, it's a tough business before you get your big break. Once I discovered the passion, I never thought of giving up because I think half of people's battles in life is even finding out what they want to do. You know, that's like, any anyone that's like i don't know what i want i don't know what i'm passionate about i'm like oh that sucks because i feel so grateful that i found the passion i found the thing I, at least gave me a something to work towards i think when you're just like flailing about you're like i don't even know what i'm working towards that's harder so even in those harder times i still had the vision uh it was just you know just like i said earlier you still got to pay your bills um but i knew that I would have done anything to um, keep it going. If I had to get a job, I, you know, whatever odd job, uh, I would do that to can, to keep the lights on So and to keep paying. The classes were the most expensive, to be honest, that the groundling stuff is not cheap. So I was also working towards training, buying wigs, buying costumes. None of that was uh, inexpensive. Um, but you know, I started tutoring kids part-time and had that journalism job and you know, whatever I would have been a barista if that's what it would have required. Whatever it took. Yeah, exactly. What was working on Chelsea lately? Like, um, it's very silly, very fun. We laughed like belly laughed all day, every day. Uh, it, it still was sort of more corporate than people realize. Uh, because, uh, we were writers, so we had like, you have to be here by like nine o'clock. If you were late, you were in trouble. You know, there's no strolling in with your sunglasses at whatever time. Uh, you can't, you know, you, you leave at six or later than not, not before you have to ask permission to get coffee. You know, there was a still big corporate vibe to it, but, um, but at least you were surrounded by really funny people. Uh, and so we had a real camaraderie among the writers of just hanging out and trying to make each other laugh. Were you ever late? Um, yeah, everybody was at some point. You had to, you know, apologize and I won't do it again <laughs> kind of thing. Be like, I've been here long enough. You know, I'm good at this. Just cut yeah. me some slack today. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But, you know, every you, you're all run into things where you just text them and be like, I'm really sorry. Traffic sucks. Like, uh, sorry. But, it, but it was stressful. That part of the job was my least favorite part was the corporate micromanage part. Because if you're a comedian, you by nature don't like that. Um, you want to spread your wings and fly. So I think after a while, I, I realized that the corporate world was not for me. 
what about growing up? Like, who are your comedic inspirations? Uh, or like when you first were breaking into the business? Definitely Carol Burnett was an early influence and continues to be so. Uh, that was because she was the first comedian I watched because my grandmother really loved her show, the Carol Burnett show, and will always have the reruns on. So I would watch that a lot with my grandmother and and really like belly laugh at her and her antics so i think a lot of my silliness kind of started watching her uh and then i was a big snl fan i watched it religiously every saturday and every cast you know different eras of cast I, at first the one that first resonated with me were the sandler and chris farley and david spade um that group uh and then it then the Will Ferrell, Molly Shannon, Sherry O'Terry group really uh, was a big influence too. Do you still watch SNL religiously today? I watch, I still watch it. Sometimes I'm like a month behind on it. I still try to skim through it because I'm just always curious about what they're doing and what the performers are doing. I think it's just a habit at this point. I record it and get to it like a month later also. <laughs> yeah, right. It's not it's not the same as I think when you're younger and you're just, I was so fascinated with it. It's a little different now because I guess you know how the sausage is made when you're a comedian. That's <laughs> not, true. It, it doesn't have the magical thing it used to, but it's also my age. And like, does anyone watch TV in real time anymore know, right? anyway? <laughs> I don't think so. I certainly don't. Yeah. What about, talk to me about being on the Mindy Project. Oh, I loved, I loved it. Uh, I've been very lucky to work for some pretty incredible women in particular. I've had some really strong, smart, successful women at the helm of, of projects that I've been on. Uh, so I went from Chelsea to, uh, I left Chelsea and did a pilot, that pilot with Tina Fey and then did another pilot with Tina Fey of that I wrote. So I got to work with her for about a year and a half. And then from that show, I got the Mindy Project, and uh, Mindy's incredible. It's just one of the smartest people I've met, and the writing was so sharp. I never had to even think about my lines or the plot. I mean, they were so on it that you just show up and deliver this really funny material, and everyone was so nice, and that was my first, like, that's where I really learned more about acting. It's where I learned about techniques and marks and the technical part of filming and so I learned a ton on that show and I feel like that was a show that really opened up the acting door a lot more for me what's like one of the main things you learned from Mindy Kaling I mean I don't think she ever stops <laughs> I definitely learned that you know the drive watching her um just juggle so many things and never seem tired she was always prepared you know, there was never, a, I never heard a complaint or, a, I mean, she just juggled like eight things and just did it so seamlessly. So I love just seeing like a boss, like a, just a true boss and just a cre very creative person as well. I learned a lot from just seeing how she carried herself. I think that's such a misperception about this business too. People think like, this person's famous. I'm like, mm -hmm. no one, no, no one makes it without working <laughs> night oh, yeah. and day. Sorry. Like, yeah. And she was always, you know, on 
you know, Mindy was the show she was working on and that was her focus, but she was also creating like five other things, you know, at the same time. So I think she, you know, she's already been putting out a Never Have I Ever and then the one that just came out with the Sex Lives. I yeah. can't remember the name of it. I think she's going to keep putting out like show after show after show. She's just that smart and she works with smart people. I love Mindy. Do you have a famous, like you've been on so many shows. I love the L word claws, <laughs> two broke girls, glee. Yeah, let's not forget pop- a little Nisi Nash and claws. I mean, I pop in a lot to places just, you for, do, you know, a little boop here and there. But so many memorable, like, mini parts. Like, do you have a favorite set that you were, like, a guest star on? Oh, gosh. Um, I'm trying to think. There's been, yeah, like, that's kind of been my thing. People are always like, I see you everywhere. But I just, I love that thing where people want you to come in and um, play, like, a really bonkers character. Like, with Claws was so fun because I was this lawyer with these big nails and you know Nisi was awesome I love that show I was such a good show I was supposed to come back for another episode but then timing wise something happened um and she kept even while I was there being like we gotta bring you back and then I think it just didn't make sense that with the character um but it was really cool probably my favorite guest star I recurred but uh was Life in Pieces it was a show on CBS and the people that it had like five or six million viewers a week, which in these times is really great. Yeah. And, but it was a show that was for sure under the radar, uh, even though it had that kind of viewership, but it was an, inc- the cast was incredible. And I got to work with Diane Weiss a lot and she's the nicest person. I adore her. She's just like this, uh, you just want to like hug her and just be around her. She has this, warm warm energy and the whole cast was really great and uh that so i did i just did seven episodes of that on that show for over four seasons and that show i travel all over the country and that is a show people come up to me about constantly and i don't think anyone would ever guess that show you know what i mean but the character they created for me was so wild and bonkers um that it it truly was such a memorable role for me do you guys know that the holidays are the busiest and most stressful time of the year well this year i'm calm and cool and collected thanks to talkspace talkspace offers both therapy and psychiatry right from the comfort of my phone i can reach out to my provider anytime anywhere and let's face it there's a lot of family involved during the holiday season well listen talk with talkspace i'm able to talk out all home my family issues There's no more need to commute to appointments and miss time at work and line up and wait. It's right from the comfort of your own home or phone from wherever you are. It's mental health care made easy. You just easily sign up online and you get a personalized match with a provider that's right for you. And you don't have to wait for that. That usually happens within 48 hours. As a listener behind the velvet rope, you get $100 off your first month with Talkspace when you go to Talkspace.com slash velvet. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash velvet. 
slash velvet to get $100 off your first month. That's right. Talkspace.com slash velvet. And when people come up, like, you know, you're on tour now, which we'll get into in a second. Like, that's the show people want to mention. I'm more than they like, mention it a ton. wow. They're like, Dougie, we love Dougie. And I was like, whoa, I've been in Italy. And people have been like, Dougie. I'm like, this is so crazy. So the 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 part about that show that bums me out the most is that, and um, again, they were a product of the regime changing. They didn't get to, they didn't know that they were ending when they ended season four. So they never mm. got to have their swan song. And I hate that the show that was so good. It, the writing was incredible. The cast was incredible. It's not have gotten to like have some sort of goodbye stinks. But, that's the know, worst. That's the world that we're in. That is the world that we're in. I don't think COVID has helped anything either. No, with... Yeah, COVID came pretty soon after that. So, but they were like so close to hitting their like hundred episodes, which for those non-industry folks, hundreds, the sweet spot you want to get to for syndication and whatnot, but I'm like, just give them one more season. Seriously, let's just wrap this up. Mm-hmm. What about Glee? I mean, I have vivid <laughs> memories of you on Glee. I just did, again, one episode for that. I think I was in the second to the last episode ever. Um, and it was an interesting time on the Glee world, uh, that that set, because uh, I had watched it like everybody else. It was such a phenomenon at the time. It got, it started trickling down, you know, their last like two seasons. Uh, I was kind of left to my own devices. Truth be told, I think everybody had checked out. They were just like, (laughs) bye-bye, we're done. Um, I didn't even know who the director was. (laughs) Like, we just were like there and they were just like, here's what, here's where you're going to sit deliver your line and that was that and I was kind of I hadn't done a ton of TV at the time and I was like is this how it works like nobody's really telling me what to do and I was a dog I was a judge for one of the competitions and uh, I was a dog trainer so they brought a poodle in and the poodle like snapped at my face and missed this is like a giant poodle missed my nose by like half an inch (laughs) So it was a very um, wild experience, but I'm glad I got to do it because it was cool to like just be a part of that show and it was cool to watch how they did the performances. I mean, those those actors had to, they like lip sync to themselves. They'd already recorded the song, uh, but they had to perform it like 50 times. Wow. Yeah. So wait, so you had lines though, or it was like, it wasn't like improv, cu- but it was just like, a couple, they just do, much. do, do whatever you want. Like it was so like, no, everyone it was, was like, like scripted, like do the script, but it, it wasn't, I think in the earlier days, you know, everyone was way more involved and way more invested. Second and last episode, they were just like, whatever, we're, we're getting out of here. Leah Michelle's like, okay, whatever. We have <laughs> we have one more episode. Get me out of here. But I, but I'm friends with Chris Colfer, so that was really fun. He was so sweet, and we hung out, and uh, it was basically like me just getting to hang out with my friend for two days. Dogs. I have such an irrational fear of being bit by a dog, so that would really <laughs> just like when your hands and your face are near a dog's mouth. It's like things happen, people. Well, That's just my the- thing. We worked with a ton of dogs on the Mindy Project because uh, my character was roommates with Ike Baron Holtz's character, and his character had like twenty dogs, 
So we had tons of dogs around that set and, and they were all like, I never had like any issue. They were wonderful. But yeah, that poodle was feisty and it was not having it with me. And I can't, I mean, it truly almost bit my nose off. <laughs> Beware of the poodles, guys. Well, you are back out on tour now, the Too Sweet, Too Salty tour. Yeah. Do you love being on the road and do you love doing live and do you love doing stand-up? Yeah, I love stand-up because it's the one part of my career that nobody else controls, really. I mean, they control it in the sense of, like, where you put your special and whatnot. But, you know, anytime in the business when uh, no one, if people don't get me or there's a lull, like, the beauty is you always have stand-up to go out there, connect with audiences yourself. You completely cut out the middleman, and you can... uh show people exactly who you are. It's such a gift to have that in my life. And also as an actor, you know, for someone like me, acting roles are not there every week, every month. It's a very specific, like we're looking for this type and that doesn't happen as frequent. So I would be really up a creek if I had to rely on just acting. So I'm so lucky that I can take my career into my own hands and go out there and perform and and create material and make people laugh and people are so kind and lovely and this tour was a long time coming we were supposed to start in march of 2020 obviously that didn't happen so um a year and a half later we finally are getting getting to do these shows well you have over 30 sold out shows so that's a good yeah, thing. Yeah, that's been amazing. That's been incredible. And what about, you know, I know David Spade is going to be a special guest in on part of these, on part of this tour. We just, we already did that. We already did those together. Uh, yeah, we did uh, Vegas together and that was really cool. Um, but now, yeah, we're doing our own shows. Hopefully we'll get to do another one at some point. But uh, yeah, this tour is all me. It's all a whole new hour. It's nothing that was on Sweet and Salty, my Netflix special. And, uh, yeah, we I finally made that leap from club to theaters and we keep adding shows and adding cities. It's been unbelievable. It's really blown me away. The, the response that I've gotten. Well, I mean, you have a lot of dates, like you're literally on the road through at least the end of, I think I saw May. That's, yeah. that's a real. It's... It'll probably go through July. Oh, wow. Just listen, yeah. just keep adding dates. I'm like, okay <laughs> no, with right? that. I'm going to need a nap by August. Is stand-up, you know, like you always hear from comedians, like, is it really, you know, like with everything you've done in the business, is it really some of the hardest work or no? Like you take control of, like you said, your career and it's not for you as hard as I'm thinking it is compared to I everything mean, the, else. The, the stand-up is a difficult medium for sure. It is not for everybody. And I, you meet certain comics that you go, oh, they're going to have a really hard, hard time on the road. It is not for everybody. It is not glamorous. Um, once you get to theaters, it's a lot, it's a little bit easier um, <clears throat> because clubs are meant to have, there are so many distractions. People are eating, drinking, calling for the waitress, but that makes you a stronger comic. You all come up in that uh, environment and you learn to, to, to deal with the whatever comes and, I think that makes you a better performer in a lot of different ways. Uh, but the act of being on the road is hard. 
getting on a plane every weekend or every other weekend, renting cars, hotels, packing, unpacking. It's, you know, you're uh, even pre-COVID, your, you know, immune system goes out of whack because you're surrounded by germs everywhere. It's not an easy life. You could be like on a TV show and then suddenly you're in a broom closet at a club uh, sitting by the vacuum cleaner. So it's a humbling profession. Uh, But if you're lucky to, you know, stick with it and keep moving up the ladder, it gets a little bit easier the more you do it. But still, even at this level, you're pooped. But it's so hard. The reward of it is you get to, you have this whole room full of people laughing and feeling good and you're leaving hoping that they feel better than when they got there and that's the reward i would agree with that well listen you've had this illustrious career and you've done all these things but you know another thing i love about you fortune is i mean i have to say you are a housewives fan i am (laughs) so let's just take a moment listen i i'm over here in new york i know margaret joseph's very well you've been on the watch what happened that that, that's your girl i love that margaret and i had so much fun i mean do you are you like how deep are you are you like do you watch all the housewives do you come in and out you know like you're 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 like you're on the road you are busy as we just said i never there's certain seasons i never miss in real time uh and that's because they've been, I've been on the journey with them the entire time. And that is uh, the OC, uh, because that is the OG. Uh, I started watching it when it was Coda de Casa, you know. Uh, Back Joe, in the good old Joe days. Joe and Slade days. Um, and so I've stuck with that because I'm, you know, you're just curious to kind of see where, what, where, the, where this goes. Uh, love Beverly Hills. I didn't watch the early ones of that. My wife got me into it, and now it's one of my favorites. Uh, Atlanta, I love. New Jersey, I'm in and out of, uh, but Margaret makes me laugh so much that I try to catch up on those for her. Um, I have not watched much Dallas. And we've just started watching Potomac. Um, So we're just now getting into that one. And then uh, Miami, I've never watched. Uh, Potomac takes a minute, right? It's back. Potomac takes a minute, like seasons one, two, three, four. Really? But it gets like good. I mean, it was good, but it gets really good. Is it worth going through those seasons or should I just go to like straight to like five? I'm like a purist. I feel if you miss some backstory on something, you're never going to really, it just, I I would, I I don't like to skip around. That's what I love about the shows though. Like, if anybody says anything immediately, there's like a clip, like prove, like showing that they are lying or, <laughs> you know what I mean? The Bravo <laughs> editors, they, they, they will pull that out and they're you're like, shady oh, bitches. Yeah. <laughs> kind of, but it's so funny, but it's, but to me, that's where the funny is. Like they, they definitely know like what's going to get people talking and what's going to like, uh, get attention. They're so good at their jobs. Are you mm-hmm. watching the OC now? Like with the return of Fancy Pants Dubrow? I am. Yeah, I'm watching it now. And uh, I'm, although some of the, some of the fights, the last few episodes seem very fabricated. I'm like, I don't know how authentic these fights are lately. Um, they just like seem the- too, too dumb. You know what I mean? 
I find every time there's new people, it's like, you know, the show and you want yeah. this to me. It's like, you want this so bad. Like you want this yeah, job you can and tell. here you are. And it's too much. Yeah, yeah. Like the new girl, is it Nicole? The one that's going through divorce? Noel, I, yeah. Noel, yeah. Okay. Like her going off on the, um, the Jennifer, that, the med spa chick. You're like this, that's just a stupid fight. Like that's not like a real fight. You're mad because she posted a like photo and tagged you in it. You know what I mean? Like, and you're calling her thirsty. I mean, I know. I'm like, that's what I said to my wife. I'm like, literally everyone that's on the show is thirsty. Like, that's the whole point of being on the show. And then the whole fight with Shannon. I said to my wife, I was like, well, why wouldn't you mention like, hey, isn't that weird that they're hanging out with the chick that sued? Like, I would say that. To me, like, they acted like this is some big secret. I'm like, I, as a human, would be like, hey, isn't that weird? That girl, like, sued him, and now they're all hanging out. So, anyway, that seemed like a weird fight, too. <laughs> so, are you Team Shannon or Team Heather? I mean. I don't know, because they all end up doing something dumb. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really take the team's sides. I really just in, more enjoy it. It's one of those shows that I can watch and just like not think about anything and just laugh. Like, I mean, I was laughing the other day saying, I wonder what Bolo is up to thinking about the Atlanta housewives. <laughs> I mean, out of all the thoughts you could have, Fortune, I wouldn't think that would be the one. I mean, I've often wondered what, you know, Bolo has been up to in the dark hours of the night, but that's just me. That's true. I, and I get that. But I was more of just like, do you think his career is like, is he in demand? Is, is Has Bolo's like a uh, calendar filled up since then? Well, let me tell you one thing about Bolo that I know. He doesn't really want to talk because oh. my team, my team has tried. Yeah. We have tried again. Listen, there's very few people in the housewife's world that escape my claws. Yeah. No pun intended in making a reference <laughs> to your starring rolling claws, but Bolo doesn't. Bolo doesn't just, I think he, he I think he wants to work, but I don't think he wants thirsty. to. He's not thirsty. And I don't think wow. he wants to talk about either that or my other thought goes to like, you know, Candy is like, listen, right. This is what you need to do when you're in the dungeon and here are all your NDAs. And oh, like, we're just, maybe. I don't know, but he does not want to come on the behind the velvet raw podcast. So there we go. That, I mean, what Candy has learned that, that hasn't, hasn't she even said like people have to sign NDAs? Yeah. I mean, and I learned. mean, it, he doesn't do other interviews. It's not like me. I mean, he's, yeah. he's on watch what happens even. And like, he barely answered Andy's questions. I'm like, <laughs> you, you better answer daddy's questions or you're going to be like, forget <laughs> about me over he here. He doesn't care. Well, I, that was one of the greatest see, episodes of TV when, when Bolo was introduced our mouth dropped. We that were was... just, oh, it was fantastic. Well, see, I saw the Dungeon Show live and he's in, when, when Candy oh, toured, really? like he I was in that. the show. Yeah. So I already knew all about Bolo and what to expect. <laughs> Listen, seeing it live, you're still like, I'm so confused about what's happened. Like, you're just like, I don't, I don't understand this. I don't know. I just, I don't know what to say. Well, then Candy has hired a tried and true uh guy for her show if he's not spilling the beans she's gotta hold on to bolo <laughs> bolo is 
And, you know, speaking of your wife, I just saw she posted, I mean, maybe like a week or two ago, her picture with Kathy Hilton. She ran into oh, Kathy yeah. Hilton somewhere. We, we really enjoyed Kathy on the, we did not know what to expect, to expect like most people. I didn't know she was so funny. Obviously, a lot of the humor, she's not intending. Um, but we had no idea when, <laughs> I mean, like everyone, when she goes, who was Hunky Jory? I died. I cried for like five minutes. It was some of the best television watching her. So I'm, I think she's coming back, right? I think they figured that all out. She's coming back. I mean, I assume she got some amount of money that she wanted. So we saw her in an event and Jack, like rarely does my wife want a picture with someone. She's like, I have to get a picture with Kathy. And I go, well, you know, if you, if it makes sense. And I went to the bathroom and, uh, she, she said, Kathy came and like sat down beside her cause her heels were hurting and they got a picture. So when she sits next great. to you, just ask for that picture. Oh, that. And what was, the, she said something else that was a cl- true classic, but uh, it's escaping me right now. All I know is she took a nap during a cast trip. Like if any other <laughs> cast member was like, I mean, I'm tired. They'd be like, honey, you, you are fired. Like you understand, like this is work. When Kathy Hilton sleeping, they're like, yeah. well, I mean, if we say something to her, she's just going to quit. So we, we really, right. I mean, that, I think that's the beauty of her on the show is she doesn't need it. And she would quit in 2.2 seconds. So everybody like treats her different, like that she gets a certain amount of uh, respect that no one gives each other on that show. Like she even bosses her Kyle around and it's incredible. It's like, it's, I'm like the woman, like why is no one understanding this? She's sleeping during a cast trip. Like this is grounds for termination. Like production would make anyone else get up and be like, your scene started five minutes ago. You have to go yeah. down there. But they like, know better. They're like, well, she, what? She, she would literally go home. She would say like, yeah. okay, I need five minutes. And then she would be out the door. She's sleeping with that fan on that she brings herself, which I'm obsessed with. I'm also obsessed that she eats on TV trays. <laughs> it's right. <laughs> There's so, I just want, I mean, they're, they're giving us exactly what we want. We want her and we need to see more of her life. All of the people, like the dinners in her house. I mean, everything is just like a true housewife's fantasy. That dinner when it was all coming down with Erica, where that butler was just like pouring yeah. the martinis <laughs> and he's just like, I have never seen something like this. Probably at his head, like this is not how Kathy's guests behave no. ever. Cause you know, everyone minds their P's and Q's at that house. And he must've just been like, I don't know what's going on. Like, what is this new group that Kathy's gotten herself involved with? We're going to have to have a talk later. (laughs) Miss Miss Kathy. What is hunky dory? It was greatest line. It was the greatest line. Do you get like, do you get starstruck? Like when or you who, meet people? Who was Hunky Dory? Is that what she said? Who was Hunky Dory? It was the best right. line of the whole season. And I think she offset Erica, like all the drama with Erica. Like, oh, was, I know. Because there was a we lot needed of Erica that. stuff. It was pretty heavy. Uh, what did you ask? Do you get starstruck? Like, you know, here's your wife. She never asked for pictures, but then she had to Kathy, like, you know, with just not housewives, just like yeah. Hollywood. Like, are you the type that gets starstruck or are you? Yeah, for sure. I get excited when I see certain people. Um, I mean, I can't off the top of my head think of who, but yeah, for sure. 
I mean, I get excited when I see people I have worked with. Uh, two two very famous Jennifers, Jennifer Aniston and Jennifer Garner. Uh, I've driven them both in movies. Uh, I drove Jennifer Aniston in an Uber and Jennifer Garner in an ambulance. Um, and I still talk to both of them, but I still even get starstruck when I see them and they're, you know, talking to me. I'm just like pinching myself. Like, this is so cool. Jennifer Aniston is a good one to get starstruck by. Oh, she's so wonderful. I mean, they're both truly wonderful. They, I still talk to them both on Instagram and the, the fact that they would take time, I, you know, to just. I don't know, have a conversation. I know that's a normal human thing to do, but they're just very busy women and both are so kind. Um, and Jen, yeah, Jen is like, every time I see Jennifer Aniston, she's just like, war she's warm, you know, lovely and cares. She's like, I, uh, you know, saw, was looking at pictures of you and your wife on Instagram and, you know, she's so beautiful and your mom seems really cool. You're like, what? You're like, Looking at my life, that's so cool. Jennifer Aniston is trolling you on Instagram. <laughs> she had a, she's admitted this, but she had an Instagram before. She was on Instagram before people knew she was on Instagram. It's all about that secret Instagram. That's right. Well, what about you have your podcast, you have your show, What a Joke with Papa and Fortune. Mm -hmm. Do you have anyone that you would just love to interview? Like if you could do an interview, like is there anyone on the top of your list? Well, Carol Burnett was that person for me. I was like, she's been on Netflix shows. How can we talk to her? So we actually did interview her on the phone for like 30 minutes. And I cried at the end of it because she, I got to tell her about my grandmother. She asked me about my name, just hearing someone I've loved my entire life. Just have that kind of conversation with me. Just like all the emotions just came back. Um, so that one's our, I wouldn't mind talking to her again. Cause I would cry again. Uh, who, gosh, who would be, I mean, I would really, I would love to interview Oprah. That would be pretty insane. She's a little too busy. That's uh, not a bad one. To... Call into Netflix is a joke. Um, but that would be pretty incredible to get to have any sort of conversation with her. I would really love that. Uh, cause I really, yeah, I really like her and admire her. Um, she would be a good one. I mean, I get yeah, it. I say. <laughs> well, she's not busy, right? <laughs> listen, I get it. Well, first of all, I have cried after interviews too, so I totally understand. Yeah, like you just have moments. Yeah. I had a moment. I had a moment today where, like, I interviewed Marie Osmond, and it was mm -hmm. just like, I don't know. It was just one of those you things of like sweet. beyond. And then yeah. afterwards, I cried. I was like, yeah, I what's, get it. Just, just, just for a minute, like, but then well, I pulled myself well, together. There's certain people that we've all come up with, right? They've been yeah. a part of our childhood, a part of our early years, still a part of our lives where like suddenly that, like you think about the person that you were, you know, me, I think about growing up in a town of 9,000 people, uh, you know, how, how to, you never think when you're in this tiny town that you'll ever be in a position to do anything beyond that town or you never think about that you could be a comedian or a journalist or whatever that just seems so far, like far-fetched narnia 
seems more you know realistic than Hollywood to a person in a tiny town. Totally. And uh, then suddenly you're in this like full circle moment where you're talking to this person that you watch for years it's it's definitely a, an emotional thing you're like i'm gonna own this but then i'm gonna break down after yeah i'm gonna do my job and then cry like a baby <laughs> it's totally it's totally how i do it what about because you know you mentioned a few times like chelsea was the first one that kind of you know gave you a chance and like you know mm-hmm. you were quote unquote different as you say and you don't fit the box like was that really a thing and like do you like do you think the world has changed? Like, what would it be different if you were just starting out now? Or you think it would be the same challenges or media um, has come far? Yeah. I mean, I definitely think uh, in the last five or six years that the industry has started started to embrace um, people of all walks of life, of all different shapes and sizes, being different was suddenly started it started to be more of a a feather in your cap per se um than being the cookie cutter thing and you know i experienced that early on in my career where like you're not skinny you're not you know you have this thick accent your hair's wild you're tall and you know chubby we don't know what to do with you uh, now we're entering this time of like, why wouldn't she be on TV? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's cool to like finally be coming into an era where that being different isn't held against you. Uh, and I find in stand up, I was singing stand up for years. It's just the industry is very late to it. Audiences were telling me, Hey, we like you. We like that you're different. We relate to you. We relate to your stories. And the industry was like, no thanks. Um, so the audiences were telling me pretty early on. So I always appreciated that. And I only knew that because I did stand up. Um, and so what the industry is finally catching on to is that people now care more about relatability than they do about if you're, you know, a supermodel or whatever that thing is that used to be so praised. I would agree with that. I think people like relatability and flaws and just Mm -hmm. like today I'm having together and yesterday I was a mess. Sorry, but this is how I am today. What about, you know, like you got married, like you have your sweater on with a rainbow. I'm like a self-respecting gay man. So like, yay, go. But you know, like you've always (laughs) been like, you know, a great representation for the community, which, you. you know, you've always been, how was getting married during this time of our worlds and everything that's going on um covid definitely interesting uh because we had planned to get married and we thought we would get married in like august of 2020 that was always sort of in the back of our head but we knew we were never gonna have like a traditional wedding we always thought we'd have a thing and then a big party then COVID hit and we were like, well, I guess we're not doing that. We had started to look at venues and luckily hadn't nailed anything down. And, uh, yeah, we just sort of put it aside and thought, you know, I guess it just won't happen for a while. And then, then Ruth, truth be told, Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. And I think, uh, you can attest as a gay 
the, the gays were just like, you know, uh, shit, what does this mean for us? It was a really dark time. Um, and politically, not that it's not now, you know, there, there was a lot of question marks. An election was looming. The Supreme Court was just about to significantly shift. And we thought, what if we can't? What if we've been together, you know, six years and suddenly can't get married? And, uh, you know, it seemed like a real possibility at the time. So we were like, what are we waiting on? Let's just get married. We've been together long enough. And ended up it ended up being the most beautiful way that we could have ever gotten married and we never would have done it like that had it not been for the state of the world um but it got to be about us and our day and we zoomed our families i think it was harder for them to not be there but then uh this past october we finally had a party and everyone came out and luckily it was right before the variant got out of hand and uh we had, you know, everyone felt good and grateful to be in a room with friends and family. And it was a really another beautiful weekend. So we got very lucky that somehow it, even though it didn't go as planned, it ended up being really perfect for us. And it was a lot in part because of like Ruth Bader Ginsburg passing and just, <laughs> yeah, I mean, just not, you know, we, as a you know people who people who aren't gay don't realize the fragility of if you haven't had certain rights they can be taken away and if you think anything things set in stone i mean i think the current political climate shows you that nothing is quite set in stone everything uh, can be brought back up and you know you don't know the outcome and so we didn't want to take any chances Wow. I mean, I thought of it. I mean, I'm single AF, so mm -hmm. I thought of it, but I didn't really, I mean, that's a interesting. I never really put two and two together, but that makes mm -hmm. a lot of sense, honestly. Yeah. But just cause I mean, because, I mean, I don't know, had the election gone a different way, what path that would have gone down? Would yeah. marriage equality have come back up? It's hard to say, but there were so many unknowns at the time. We didn't want to take the chance. And we knew we wanted to be married and, uh, yeah, we just didn't want to wait any longer. We're getting older. We're like, let's just go for it. Uh, and I'm glad we did, you know, it's, it's been great. And, um, I'm, I'm happy that we didn't wait for some quote unquote right time, because as you can see, the world is still very unpredictable with the COVID and the variants and all the stuff. So I think at this point, you, you know, we're just, we had to, life had to keep moving and we did the best we could. I love it. That. <laughs> I love it. Two final questions before we go. Speaking sure. of your wife, how many people come up to you and make a Charlie's Angels reference? <laughs> they say a lot. Wife. We'll see. Her name's Jack. Yeah. Jacqueline Smith, like the Charlie's Angel. They definitely do a double take when they, you know, see her name or she, she used to laugh that the airport, like people at the airport, would think that she the the angel was coming <laughs> and Jacqueline would show up and they'd be like oh <laughs> like she was like so people were like bummed out right away meeting me I was like oh uh but now she go now a lot of people know her as Jack she she goes by Jacks instead of Jacqueline uh so they don't make the um connection as much I just think, you know, listen, you are now famous. You've had such a career. So it's different now. But before, I just think of dinner reservations in right? LA, New York. We should I'm use like, it. 
you know, back. And just so you know, because I know you don't watch Miami. Now we have our first out, openly outcasted lesbian housewife. I saw that. It's Martina, Martina Narvachilova's, I can't even Wife. Her wife, yeah. That's and so cool. here's the thing. I'm like, okay, so like, I get it. Like Martina will be on once. Martina is on the damn show. Like I figure oh, we'll see she? her way more than as a viewer of Housewives you would ever expect. Like I would we'll think- We'll have to watch it. I'm so curious. I've never met Martina, um, but uh, she's a, quite a trailblazer. So that'd be cool to watch. She's there's a, she's doing art now. She's I'm like- yeah. I just figured, you know, your wife, okay, go to work. Like I'll, I'll bop in yeah, once. She, like they're power lesbians. Power lesbians. Power lesbians. I love that. Well, listen, you are a power lesbian too, Fortune. <laughs> We're on our way up. We're trying to be. <laughs> everyone needs to like get tickets to your show. Where can everyone find you online who doesn't follow you, who wants to? Uh, well, if you want to come see a show, uh, like you said, I'm going everywhere. between. I've been to a lot of places already, but there's still a lot to come. Uh, Fortune Bean Feimster. Um, com for tickets. And then I'm, I try to stay fairly active on Instagram, uh, which is my name at fortune Feimster. If you just put in at fortune, the rest will come up and no one knows how to spell my last name. <laughs> I'm like, I imagine there's not a lot of fortunes on Instagram. Not a lot, at least not comedians. There's the magazine, uh, for the fortune magazine. Just look for the one with the blue check people. <laughs> Well, listen, thank you so much. Sex Appeal was great. Thank you. Well, Keep in touch. For, thank you for talking with me and allowing me to share my, my love of the crazy housewives world. That and your great career. I mean, I think you are so funny. I love watching oh. you and almost everything you do. And I just keep in touch. You're awesome. I appreciate it. I've been working really hard and I'm just really grateful that anybody cares enough to want to see me do my thing. I care. I care. I'm going to have to check out when you're in the New York area. I know. Yeah. I would love that. I love it. All right. Thank you so much. Yeah, Take care. Of course. Thanks, David. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're Behind The Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon, because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind The Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me, and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.